It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hawkeye fans, get ready. It's time for the Hawkeye Nation radio show, powered by the Polk County iClub on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 AM and now 106.3 FM, KXNO. And welcome to the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on 106.3 KXNO. Andrew Downs and Trent Condon with you once again. What's up, Trent? Hey, good to talk to you again. AD, getting ready for Saturday. Floyd Rosedale, my favorite trophy. My- yeah. This is the rivalry game for me. You're from Northern Iowa, right? Yes, this, yeah. this is probably the one growing up that had a little bit more bite. Yeah, went to the Roller Dome, as Mike Dicka famously called it back in the 80s a couple of times. Uh, as a youngster, went there, then in college uh, many times. So, love going to Minneapolis, love this game. Got family that went to Minnesota, grew up in Minneapolis. So, yeah, this is the rivalry game for me. It's not Iowa State, it's not Illinois, it's not Wisconsin like you. For me, this is the game that's most important and Throughout my 41 years on this planet, it's been pretty good to be a Hawkeye fan in this rivalry. Game. It has been, and, and it's an important game this week. Who hates Minnesota? Trent hates Minnesota. <laughs> and we'll certainly get to that game and, uh, and and talk some hoops and do some more here before Trent gets out of here. But before we do that, Trent, a look back. Um, hey, it's nice to get a win, yes, right? right. Uh, on your Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast, it was uh, positive vibes only. That was if you missed that. that. <laughs> you, you, yeah, you reluctantly went along yeah, with it, yeah. for sure. Uh, if you missed that, it's on the Hawkeye Nation podcast podcast feed but um I'll, I'll let you be a little more negative here okay. tonight um not a i mean oh, oh okay a one score win at northwestern is a good win because it doesn't happen very often or at least it hasn't happened very often uh you know a divisional win after a two-game losing streak that's a good thing a change of quarterback that we'll certainly talk about here feels like a good thing but you almost gave that game away trent and you end up beating a bad Northwestern team by just five points. You can only muster 17 points. Um, it, it was a win. It was a, it, we're, you know, we're happier today than we were a week ago, but didn't answer a lot of questions. No, and it's a frustrating aspect, I think, as a fan of what Kirk Ferentz football is. And we hear about complimentary, complimentary football. You know, what, what does that mean? What exactly is that? Well, it's trying to help out your defense as much as possible. Really, you can break it down that they don't really do that because the way to actually help your defense a lot is to have long, sustained drives. But when Iowa gets the lead and they put it in the lockbox and it's running into the middle of the line and falling over and a two-yard gate, second and eight, and trying to throw a third and eight, it, it just that's really not complimentary football. It isn't for what they do. It would be a long, sustained drive. That's complimentary football, and that was a frustrating aspect. You see Padilla come in. They are moving the football up and down the field. They get 17 points. They're doing exactly what you want to see. And then nothing. 
absolutely nothing. That's Kirk Ferentz. Brian, I think most people have heard my thoughts on Brian. I'm not the biggest fan of him as a play caller, but that is what Kirk wants. I don't think it's the right way to do it. He has the wins that show that it is, but it didn't have to be as difficult as it was on Saturday night. It could have been a lot easier where you're cruising in and then you coast into the victory. Instead, it was slow it down and just escape with the victory. Ultimately, that's what it's about. It's not about covering. It's not about anything like that. It's getting the W. That's what it is. But it could have been so much easier, I think, on Saturday. And there there have just been too many times, especially against Northwestern, where you let them hang in like that and they they Mm -hmm. make a play at the end of the game. I mean, the the play that Hole made to score that, that last touchdown that they got was the type of play that can sink you when you give them the ball back one more time. One of the most frustrating things, and, and I agree with you completely about um, the way that that offense just shut down in the second half. They, I mean, to not even throw the ball mm-hmm. on that final drive, that final three and out that Iowa had. First of all, I don't know why Tyler Goodson wasn't in on right. first and second down. If you're not going to have him in, that that's okay. If that's a coaching decision, that's fine. But then you put him in on third down and hand him the ball. That, that doesn't make any sense to me. And you got to let Padilla try to throw the ball there to, to get a first mm-hmm. down. You you win the game with a first down, and you you and rather instead you punt it back. And yeah, it's great that Dane Melton, Dane Belton made a good play. Marty was terrible. I yeah. mean, those the three interceptions Iowa had were just terrible throws. Um, but man, that was frustrating to to once again see Iowa just go as conservative as you can possibly go. We all knew it was going to happen, yeah. And yet, I still get frustrated watching it. And the end of the first half, the clock management has been brutal. Yes. in the Ferentz years, it just has been bad. There's no other way about it. And to have an opportunity to have a new quarterback in there, this is the first time that he's seeing real live action. All right, you have a perfect opportunity to run a two-minute drill with them, and they're dinking around, and they're doing stupid crap, and they're not actually going up there. And then on top of it, not to throw the football to the end zone. Right. Why? What, what is the justification? This is the second time now this year that Ferentz has had an opportunity just to chuck it up. you got a big receiver and Keegan Johnson that we've seen be able to go up and make plays. What does it hurt? He said before, the last time this happened, he was concerned about an injury. Are you kidding me? Any football play, there can be an injury, and you're worried about that? I just don't buy it. I don't get it. I don't understand it. That is even more frustrating, I think, than anything. But to not even go into a full two-minute drill with your quarterback in his first first live action, that's inexcusable. Because if that spat comes up on Saturday, yeah. and they need to drive late in the game to win the game, would have been a little, at least a touch easier if he did it a week previous. You're right. That if, one is just head scratch. If only to give him the experience of, yes. of doing it. Yeah. Um, well, he he's getting some experience. Alex Padilla is. Uh, it was clear in those first three drives that Spencer Petras just couldn't even throw the ball. I mean, it was we've we've talked about how you know the the issues he has, the deficiencies he has as a quarterback. This was another level. Um, I think it's it's good cover for Iowa and Kirk Ferentz that. He is injured, um, so that way they, they didn't have to make a change at quarterback because mm-hmm. Petrus wasn't playing well. They, they don't have to make any sort of long-term declaration about this quarterback position right now because, hey, Petrus is hurt, and we're just we're just trying to get through it while, while he's hurt. That being said, what do you want to see from Padilla on Saturday? I mean, obviously, you want to see him win the game. You mm-hmm. want to see him continue to find those young receivers. I think he's got a good connection with those guys. Yeah. I think that's a good thing. Um, I guess, what do you expect to see from Padilla? Do you think it'll be the kind of spark to this offense that we saw in the second quarter on Saturday? Or or are you worried that we're going to kind of revert back to 
Iowa football. Well, and there's a couple different ways to go with this. First, uh, one thing that jumped to my mind is we remember back when last time there was an injury at the quarterback spot that really kind of facilitated this, and that's when Stanzi went down against Northwestern. Yes. Vandenberg came in, really struggled, and then played well at times against Ohio State. Now, I think we also overstate just how good he was in that game. Yes. He threw, what, three interceptions and had two more that were dropped. It easily could have been atrocious. But then the following week, they're back home. They're taking on Minnesota, and Vandenberg was awful, awful in that game. Iowa won at 12 nothing. It was just a bad, bad performance from him. So to think that this is going to be the elixir that all of a sudden everything is cured, slow down. It's still a guy that went in there. They didn't have any tape on him. He was able to do his thing. Made some great throws, but to think that it's suddenly going to completely change the offense, I think, is a little bit concerning, if, if that's what your thought process is. What I hope, though, is that they play to his strengths and they use the things that he is good at, his athletic ability, ability to move the pocket more. You know, Iowa, last couple of weeks with Petras, and maybe it was because he was banked up, but against Purdue, against Wisconsin, how often do you even see them move the pocket? I understand the deficiencies of the offensive line, and, and maybe that does make it difficult, difficult, but when have we seen a waggle You know, with either the fullback or the tight end just shooting out, and you have another crosser coming the other way and looking for those two guys? We just didn't see that part of the offense with Petrus Padilla, that was a big part of what he can do. You know, we've seen them do some things with the jet sweeps a little bit more, get him in space, give those read options that he can run because Petrus never was able to do that. So play to his strengths, do the things that he is good at. I think he has at least adequate arm strength to make all the throws that are out there for what the Iowa offense is right now. Is he going to be able to chuck it 60 yards like Petrus probably can? No. Right. But that's all right. Because how often does Iowa throw the football? Like that. And I'll tell you, that first throw that he made to Keegan Johnson, there was arm strength on that one. Yes, there was. We're not talking about a guy out there knuckling it up there. It's not Charlie Huff. He's got enough of an arm to complete the passes in the Big Ten. Play to his strengths more than anything. That's what I want to see. Do you expect to see that? No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I've been too beaten down. Yeah. That's the frustrating part, though, isn't it? Because we've seen the games where Iowa goes in knows that we have to score. Of course, the Ohio State game yeah. first comes to mind. The USC game in the Holiday Bowl. Those are games that Iowa goes into it knowing, hey, we got to put points up. Even go back to the last time Minnesota was in Kinnick. They come roaring in. They just beat Penn State. They're ranked in the top, what, five in the country? I yeah. think they're number three, something like that. And Iowa knew it was a really good offensive Minnesota team. We're going to have to score to beat this team. What does the first half look like? As beautiful of a play-called game as we've ever seen from Brian Ferentz. Now, the second half, they had a lead, and of course, they sat on it and let Minnesota almost come back and win that football game. That goes back to what we kind of started with here. Yes. But understanding you're going to have to score to win this football game. It's a Minnesota team that's got a good offensive line, even down to their fourth running back. They're going to be able to run it. Now, you have the questions them about Tanner Morgan and their quarterback spot, and if it's going to be Morgan or somebody else running the controls there for them. But overall, I think you're going to have to score too. Expect to win another game. 17-12, go out there and understand, hey, if we get 24 points, if we get 31 points, we will win this football game. Yes. Put together a game plan to do that. I like that a lot. I, I hope that's what we see. I hope that Alex Padilla, he, I mean, obviously as a fan, I want him to do well. I want him to do well just for himself and just, you know, I mean, it's like I it would 
the the limited opportunities he had had before Saturday night, he really did not look good. No, did, not like at didn't all. even look competent. No, um, and that's I think what kept a lot of fans off of Spencer Petras's back a little more mm-hmm. was well, there's nothing in the wings. Now we know there's a little something in the wings, and it'd be fun if Alex Padilla could kind of grab this and take a hold of it and and, and finish this season out the way that that Stanzi season did finish out. You know mm-hmm. the way that some of these seasons have. I really though think these next three games, Trent are about Iowa more than they are the opponent. Mm-hmm. I mean, all three of these opponents are kind of up and down. They're, they're you know, middling teams. Uh, I don't really know how to put my finger on them, uh, what to expect from them. The bottom line is if Iowa comes out and plays well, if they can put up 24, 31 points, if that defense can play the way that they played really all season long, they're going to win all three of these games. If they come out and look like they did against Purdue or Wisconsin, they're going to lose all three right. of these games. Yeah, yeah. And so that that's kind of the, the thing where – this is now these these last three games become just about Iowa and what kind of team you're going to put on the field and how are you going to kind of end this season? Can you get to ten and two mm-hmm. even if you don't get to Indianapolis? That, that that feels like a pretty good season. Not great, especially from where you were three right. weeks ago, but a ten and two season, you, you're you're okay with that. You know, and you look around college football in general, and if you get to ten and two and don't ultimately get there to Indianapolis, but. With the carnage that's going to happen here over the final three weeks of the regular season, look around, everybody's playing everybody now. Yes. I mean, outside of the SEC and their wedding weekend where they all play FCS teams, it is going to be just absolute slobber knocker all over the country. Big 12, Big 10, both backloaded their schedule this year. And because of that, you're going to have teams that are falling out. Now, there's still a possibility at Iowa 10-2, and two, even without getting to Indianapolis, that they can get to the New Year Six. They're ranked what twentieth? Twentieth, yep. In the in the latest college football playoff rankings. So to rise up, you got to be in the top twelve to get there. And I think there's a path for them to do that. So still a lot on the table. You're right. It's about Iowa. Got to clean up the defense too. Like, yes. What was the tackling on Saturday? Was, I know it's yeah. a crappy field and that stupid turf that they have like four inches too tall. And I get that, but the tackling really outside of Benson. I, I thought Jack Campbell really struggled for the first time in his career. A lot of missed tackles there. Shore that up. Is it a tired team? That could very well be yeah. the case, but that was not what we're used to seeing out of this Iowa defense. No, and I mean, they were in position to make those plays, right? It wasn't that uh, Northwestern was able to get into space. It was that Iowa missed that first tackle, and mm-hmm. the way Iowa's defense is set up, they're in position to make the play. If they don't make the play, there's usually a lot of green space uh, behind them. All right, looking at this this Minnesota game, you mentioned at the start that it's been a, a good rivalry in, in your lifetime. Yeah. I, I I don't think many Iowa fans, and certainly I hadn't realized kind of how good things have been against Minnesota. Uh, again, in your Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast here on Hawkeye Nation, you guys talked about this a little bit. Um, obviously, six in a row, uh, and P.J. Fleck has never beaten Kirk Ferentz. Mm-hmm. That's always fun. Um, but it's been since 1999 that Minnesota has won in Kinnick Stadium. I think P.J. Fleck has never had a lead on yeah. the Iowa Hawkeyes, that's kind of incredible, and I and and Minnesota hasn't come in and beaten a winning Iowa team at Kinnick Stadium in like forty years. Nineteen eighty one. That's nuts. I was in diapers, <laughs> right? You weren't around. That wasn't even alive. <laughs> that's that's just utter dominance in this in this rivalry, which you know historically has been a very mm-hmm. even rivalry. Yeah, it, it's been, and, it, and even sitting here today, it doesn't feel like we own Minnesota. We've won six in a row. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like we've just dominated for twenty years. But the numbers kind of say that we have. And the other part is there's a little extra juice in this game. It feels like that there are three coaches that Kirk Ferentz and the staff. They get up for a little bit more. I've told the story that I heard about after Matt Campbell a couple years ago, yep. hollering back at the sidelines that they think they're so blank and smart. 
And that did not sit well with Kirk Ferentz and the Iowa coaches. And that's played out on the field yes. during his tenure. Scott Frost, another one, you know, the clapping last year. And you can tell it's just not a program that it's a coaching staff, maybe, right. that Iowa's coaching staff doesn't respect. And here's another one with P.J. Fleck. Brian Ferentz here on these very airwaves on KXNO a couple of years ago with Chad was uh, talking about that. And it was one of the programs that they kind of point to here. Kirk has had P.J.'s number. And, and Phil Fleck is a guy, he's not my dude. He's just not my right. kind of guy. The rah-rah, the, all the cliches, it is not the kind of guy that is easy to root for for me. It just it, It's not the kind of person that I look to and say, yeah, I want that guy to be my football coach. So it's yeah. been great you know, seeing the, the, the boat continue to sink year after year <laughs> in Iowa. Here's where Minnesota's been right there. You know, One of the teams that were anticipated two years ago and to do it in that fashion. That's one that I think the Iowa staff is going to have a little bit more juice. So this is going to be one where there'll be a few more wrinkles, just knowing hey, we can't let that dork Phil Fleck come in here and beat us. How do you feel about this game then, then overall? Uh, I still think it is going to be low scoring. Yeah. I do think that weather is going to play a factor too. I think it's you know, more in the range of 23-20, something like that, where you're going to have to score points to get it done. I I, I still wonder about Tanner Morgan. Yeah. That guy from what he was two years ago. Right. I understand, you know, with... Bateman on one side, and they had a couple of great receivers. Definitely. That that have made a difference. And they've had some major injuries this yeah. season also. But that offensive line outside of left tackle is really good. Uh, the outside on defense, their defensive ends have played at a really high level this year. That's obviously concern against the offensive tackles, uh, how bad they've been for Iowa this year. So there's some concerning parts. I, I don't think Iowa's going to be able to play their traditional run the football, that kind of game. This is really... I think this is Alex Padilla's game. Yeah. If I was going to win this football game, it's going to be about the quarterback making plays. And if that happens, I was going to walk out a winner. Let's say they do it. They get it done again. We'll say 23-20 Hawkeyes. Okay. Let's say Padilla looks good. They get the win. Petrus is healthy next week. Are you confident that Alex Padilla would be the starter uh, at home against Illinois a week and a half from now? I would be, but... The comments that Kirk made last night on his radio show scared the crap out of me. I don't understand how you can look at this and say that Petrus is the guy. I just, I don't see anything right now that says that. Go to the tape. Look at this guy. He does not work right now for how they're blocking. It just, it doesn't work. And how, what was the quote? I I got it here. I want to bring it up for people that missed it last night from his radio show. Uh, Said, if you had to make a decision right now, I don't think he's ready to go, speaking of Petrus. But later he said, nothing is written in permanent ink. No, <laughs> why play this game? Right. Why why go that route? Padilla is your starter. He is your guy. See what you have. Because yes. ultimately, without help, you're not going to Indianapolis. It's not about really this year anymore. Yeah, right. It's, it's about going forward. And if it, if it proves to be that Padilla is not the guy, that the limitations, he's not big, he can't make the throws, all those things, and you'll find that out, okay, but that means then that you need to look at the transfer portal. You need to look and see what else is out there. You need to start making those phone calls to Max Duggan at TCU, who lost his job, an Iowa kid. That's a really, really good player. You need to be making those phone calls and seeing what is out there because if it's not Padilla, we know it's not Petrus. And that was my concern all summer long, that he was not going to be the guy that could get them to Indianapolis. I think that's bared out this year. So see what else is out there. That's the route you have to go, not going back. And you know what? If it's not Padilla... See what you got with Deuce Hogan. Yeah, Again, right. That's where that's what this is about the rest of the season. What you have at the quarterback position, and if it's going to be good enough going into 2022, which on paper should be a pretty good Iowa football team again. 
two minutes left here, Trent. A uh, little, little basketball talk. What mm-hmm. did, did anything surprise you Tuesday night in the opener against Longwood? Anything? I guess what was what was your biggest takeaway from that? I didn't think they'd play as well as they did. Yeah, they uh, looked good. They did. They looked good. Now it's Longwood. You yes, know, it's not a good team. Yes, you don't want to overreact to what you saw, and that's what these next three weeks are going to be. Yes, you're playing absolute the dregs of college basketball. These are bad basketball teams. <laughs> that you're going to be playing during the first six-game stretch. So you don't want to overreact. If they're not 6-0, and there's probably a problem there. In fact, there's one of these games that's even close. There might be a problem there. That's how bad these teams are. But overall, I walked away incredibly encouraged. It looked like Keegan Murray has taken that next step. Yes. That, that he is going there. Toussaint, I've had concerns about him. He looked really, he really did. good. We know what he is defensively, but he ran the team and did it under control. And he got a backup in Ulysses at the point guard spot. And you also have Bohannon there if everything falls apart. You can go that direction and have him run to the point again. So you're good there. I do have concerns, both defensive rebounding, yes. just inside. Yeah. You know, Rebracha, he's not he's a power forward. Exactly. That, that's yes. playing center. Yes. You don't have a traditional center. There's gonna be matchups that make it difficult, but I think this team's gonna be better defensively. Rain's coach coach teams are always gonna be good on the offensive end of the floor. I'm encouraged. I went from I don't even think they're I think they're gonna be short of a bubble team too. Yeah, maybe they can get on the bubble. That's where I am. One game in, we'll get to see him again on Friday night. I love it. So Trent's got the Hawks in the NCAA tournament. He's got the, <laughs> he's got Minnesota in the under. Positivity on Saturday, Mister Positive, Mister Positive. Condon. I appreciate it, man. As always, uh, check out Trent's work at Hawkeye Nation. Listen to him on KXNO Miller and Condon every day here uh, from ten to noon. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. All right, this is the Hawkeye Nation Radio Show. When we come back, we'll take a look at Minnesota uh, with Randy Johnson from the Star Tribune. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Let's get to this week's game. Number 22, Iowa returns home to play Minnesota. A 2.30 kick, and as of right now, Iowa is a six-point favorite. And my guest today covers Minnesota for the Star Tribune. It's Randy Johnson. Randy, thank you for the time. Oh, no problem at all. Man, it's been an up-and-down season for the Gophers. Uh, Is there a theme that's emerged in the wins versus the losses? Is there one or two things you can point out and say, when this happens, they win. When this happens, they don't. Uh, Yeah, basically, it comes to really comes down to uh, their running game and their offensive line. Um, they have a, a veteran offensive line, and it's been played pretty well for most of the season. It just They've had a couple of hiccups where uh, they, they had trouble against Bowling Green, and then now this past weekend against uh, Illinois, where the, they, the, basically the Gophers fall behind, and they, they have to go to the passing game, which they don't use a whole lot. And uh, basically, it's uh, they're not a team that's really built to come back on, on, on opponents. So, you know, they're, they're a team that's built to, to run the ball, uh, grind the clock, and, and keep the uh, ball away from the opponent. Not much luck in the, in the running game when it comes to injuries for the Gophers. Uh, obviously, Mohamed Ibrahim went out early. Trey Potts midway through the season, both out with injury. Who, who should we be looking for to run the ball Saturday afternoon at Kinnick Stadium? Yeah, they're on their uh, basically fifth and sixth 
running backs uh, from the from the uh, training camp depth chart. Uh, uh, they had uh, um, uh, Bryce Williams, who uh, suffered a an ankle injury, a season-ending ankle injury, uh, a couple weeks back, and then they had uh, Cam Wiley, who uh, entered into the transfer portal. So that leaves a uh, uh, redshirt freshman Kai Thomas and true freshman uh, Marquise Bucky Irving. Uh, both those guys are four-star recruits, so there's a lot of talent there. But they are freshmen, and you know they've they've filled in well. Had a couple, each had a couple uh, back-to-back hundred-yard games. Um, you know, and they've done well this week, this past weekend. They got they got did get shut down though. How's Tanner Morgan look? That that's a guy that that we all know well here in Iowa. We've seen him play a couple of times here, and you you talk about the running game being the most important part of this offense. Uh, what what is, I guess where is the threat in the passing game if there is one? Well, it, it, it to me it it has to flow from the running game. They have to have success in the running game for Tanner to be successful. You know, this isn't isn't uh, 2019 when he had uh, two NFL caliber wide receivers and Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman to throw to. Um, It's more of a complimentary type situation with the Gophers passing offense. And it's worked in their wins in in the two losses uh, uh, to uh, Bowling Green and Illinois. uh, It it, it didn't. They just got behind and he was forced to pass and he threw a couple picks in both games. Chris Altman Bell has uh, had some injuries as well. Is he is he on schedule to play Saturday? Yeah, it looks like he'll be playing Saturday. At least that's what uh, uh, PJ Flex said yesterday. That uh, you know it wasn't finalized that he'd be playing, but it, indications are uh, that he it, things are pointing in the right direction there. And they they definitely could use him. Um, you know, he's he's their their best receiver. Uh, they they've have a, have a young guy uh, Mike Brown Stevens also emerging. Uh, but they need all, all hands on deck, all hands on deck in that passing game. How about the other side of the ball defensively? Who should Iowa fans be be looking for? Players, position groups. Where, where's the strength of this uh, go for defense? I, I would say it's it's uh, in a couple places. It's up front on the defensive line. They they rotate about eight guys in there, so they they keep them fresh. They uh, you have uh, they're doing pretty well with a, a transfer from Clemson named Niles Pinckney. Um, he, he's been a, a revelation from this year. And uh, their linebacker group has improved quite a bit. Uh, Jack Gibbons, a transfer from Abilene Christian, has, has been very good, and he's helped uh, hold over uh, Mariana Sorimar and uh, um, develop very well at the, at the linebacker spot. All right, so as, as we look at this game on the whole, and you know, it's been hard to kind of put our finger on Iowa. It feels like it's a little hard to put your finger exactly on, on Minnesota, although they did have that nice four-game win streak before that, that loss to Illinois. Where, where do you think the advantages are in this game as you look at both teams? Where do, where do the Gophers have the advantage? Maybe where do the Hawkeyes? You know, I, I, would, I would think um, uh, the defensive line for Minnesota should be an advantage for them. I, I, you know, uh, Iowa has that great center and Tyler Linderbaum. Um, so that, you know, maybe that mitigates that a bit. Uh, the Gophers offensive line will be facing a pretty good defensive line there in Iowa too. So, you know, they need to, but they need to get that, that line going and, and, and playing well. That's, that's, that kind of gets the whole offense going if they're, uh, doing a good job of, of paving the way. So it sounds like uh, Minnesota not built to, to come back. So maybe if Iowa is able to, to jump out to a lead, which they haven't done a lot lately, but if, if they were able to do that, that, that might be a, a tough thing for, for the Gophers. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, you know against that Iowa defense, I'm sure any, any team is going to have trouble if they fall behind. Uh, you know, for the Gophers, obviously, um, 
don't uh, don't give up the, the the ball like I was feasted on most of the year. You know, that's that's obviously a big thing for Minnesota. Uh, PJ Fleck just signed that extension and then promptly loses that game to Illinois. How are fans dealing with that? Uh, you know, how's how is his tenure going from for the from the fan base perspective uh, up there in Minnesota? Uh, you know, I think it's going pretty well. I mean, you know, he, he uh, uh, got a lot of uh, got a lot of run out of what happened two years ago. They they finish eleven and two, and they have two top ten wins over Penn State and then over over Auburn in the bowl game. Uh, finished number ten in the final rankings. That's you know the best they've done since the early '60s. So that uh, you know that was people were pretty impressed with that. Now uh, once you get that, you, they want they want want you to do it again. Yes. So um, um, you know the the big thing for him is uh, you know he, he needs to break through and, and win the division one of these years. And they all you know, they still have a chance this year. It's gonna be a little bit tougher now that they lost Illinois. They they basically need to uh, at least beat Iowa and. Wisconsin, which you know they haven't done in the same year since 1990, so it's 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 quite a mountain to climb. It's been six wins in a row now for Iowa in this series uh, for the Florida Rosedale. Over 20 years since the Gophers have won inside Kinnick Stadium. How badly do Gopher fans want this win? Oh yeah, pretty bad. I mean, you know they're they're kind of uh, tired of having Iowa fans lord lord, lord the trophy over them. That's for sure. <laughs> he is Randy Johnson. You can follow him on Twitter at RJS Trib and check out his work at the Star Tribune. Randy, thank you so much for the time today. Oh, no, no problem at all. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right, there you have it. Uh, don't know exactly what to expect from this game. Uh, feel pretty good about Iowa with uh, Alex Padilla under center, but we will see. Uh, you know, it always looks good the first time. Can can it look good when the other team is prepared for it? When he's run with the ones all all week long. Uh, you know this. This and I think the rest of the games on Iowa's schedule come down to Iowa more than their opponent. If Iowa can play to its ability, if it can limit turnovers and mistakes, if it can create some of those things on the other side, I like the Hawkeyes' chances to win all three of these games. If they can't, I don't like their chances nearly as much, and uh, these are three losable games as well. We'll have it all covered at HawkeyeNation.com. Welcome back to the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on KXNO 106.3 FM. Andrew Downs back with you once again. Thank you to Trent Condon for uh, all he did in this show. And, and again, check out his work at HawkeyeNation.com. He's got podcasts, gambling advice, all of that. We've got everything covered at HawkeyeNation.com, including the start of basketball season. That's right. We are into basketball season. Uh, but I still want to talk football here, and I want to look back and look ahead uh, with my guy. He's our fearless leader here at Hawkeye Nation. He's the president of the Polk County Eye Club, Joe Schmelka. Joe, what's up, man? Hey guys, how you doing, man? Everything good, uh, good around here and good there. Any anytime we have a victory, right? Yes, good. We had two victories. We had a nice basketball win, and uh, the football team got back on track and got a little, little more excitement, a little extra juice with uh, with Padilla coming in and uh, doing what he did. The offense. Well, it looked good in the first half anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It shut things down a little bit in the second half, and it got a little hairy there, as it as it seems to do in Evanston. But as you said, Joe, uh, you come away with a win at Northwestern. You feel good about that. You don't feel great about it, maybe, but you certainly feel good. And you feel good about what you saw out of Alex Padilla, or at least I do. And it sounds like he's going to be the guy Saturday against Minnesota. Um, what, what did you see from him? What do you expect from him this weekend? You know, my, my son is a freshman over there, and 
and uh, he, he's big into football, big into into sports, and he really knows he really knows what's going on a lot. He kind of impresses the heck out of me. Um, he came out and he just said, you know, he goes, Padilla just seems to get the ball out quicker. And I, I think the bigger thing too, I agreed with him was he's very accurate. He didn't throw it high, he didn't throw it low, he threw it right in there. All right, and uh, he gave uh, I thought it was a really nice pass down the sideline there. He he let Keegan Johnson make a play. Right, he didn't overthrow him. He didn't throw it out of bounds. I mean, he put it in a spot where Keegan Johnson could go up, use his athleticism and, and abilities and height, and come down with the ball. And he did. And for whatever reason, Peter seems to have some problems with those things at times. And then he can throw the nicest, sweetest pass in the world. I think the other thing uh, Padilla gives us, you know, our offensive line is the weakness of this team. Okay, it's the weak link. And guys are working hard, and I'm, I'm sure they're very, very talented. We're just we're young there, and we don't have a lot of experience. And he gives us a little bit of mobility. Um, I don't think Kirk's ever gonna, you know, have a running quarterback. You know, he's worried about him getting hurt. You saw that in some of the games that we played um, against other teams, where their quarterbacks are running all over the place, and, and they get dinged up. Um, and 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 I think Padilla gives us that escapability that you don't get from Petrus. He can extend the play. He can, you know, make a couple of guys miss and run around the corner. Nothing else, not take that 10-yard sack or, or cause your offensive line to get a holding penalty. You can just kind of turn a nothing into a little bit of something maybe. And and I think, I think that makes it a lot of fun for the fans. And And you can never have – Andrew, you can never have too many good quarterbacks, right? <laughs> yes, they're all they're all one hit away from from going down, and and to be able to have a a, a Spencer Petrus come off the bench if something happened to Padilla, man, that's pretty sweet. And now Padilla's got some some good experience. We'll see what he does this week, and uh, you know, I I, I I I like I really liked what I saw out of him in the first half, and I think they turned him loose a little. Second half, I think they just played, you know, very conservative. Don't lose the game, and I get it. How many teams? How many teams go on the road? Not, and I know Northwestern's not a good team, but this is what I've been telling people. You know, the the negative fans, so to speak, that nothing's quite good enough for them. How many teams go on the road anywhere and put their second string quarterback in on the fourth, third, or fourth series of the game and win? Okay, it doesn't happen very often, and. You know, we saw that with Penn State. We've seen it with some other teams. Um, we, we went into we went in Northwestern, but we had to put our second string quarterback in there, and you know, we were up, we were up, uh, you know, right away. He led us on two touchdown drives, and I don't want to say we coasted the victory. We didn't, but we put the game in the hands of our strength, which is our defense and our kicking game, and and you know, we won. So that's what we're supposed to do, right? You know, that that's a really good point. You're right. That's a good perspective because we did see a good Penn State team come into Kinnick Stadium and, and play their backup quarterback, and it just was disastrous, right? Everything fell apart. And and what we had seen from Padilla earlier this season in the in the very limited snaps he had was not real. Uh, it it didn't, didn't make you long for, for the Alex Padilla era, but he did come in. He made some really good throws. Seems like he has a really good connection with the young receivers who, who we need to get more involved in our offense. And uh, and maybe with a whole week as the number one guy with the number ones, uh, we'll we'll be able to see a 
uh, you know, kind of a, a, the, the best version of Alex Padilla that we could possibly see. You know, Joe, I hope they're just able to let him loose a little bit, like you were talking about. I, I hope the game plan, I hope Brian Ferentz and and the the play calling allows him to do some of those things, allows him to, to be himself and utilize some of the qualities that he has that we haven't seen from Spencer Petras yet. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little worried that uh, he'll be hamstrung a little bit by the game plan, but I, I think... Um, I think if you let him go, if this defense plays the way that they have been playing, uh, I think you have a, a real good shot here to extend this streak against Minnesota. And and Joe, I didn't realize this until this week. Minnesota hasn't come into Kinnick Stadium and won a game since 1999. I mean, I knew the six-game win streak, but I didn't realize we had dominated them that badly uh, at home. This is a this is a big game, though. You got to win this one if you want to if you, if you have any shot of winning the West and getting to, getting to Indianapolis. And even if that doesn't happen, Joe, if you win out. 10 wins that's a good season regardless of what happens so th- this is a big one Saturday afternoon yeah I mean at the beginning of the season nobody saw with our schedule thought we were going to go 10 and 2 right they, everybody would have would taken that in a heartbeat and been incredibly happy now the you know the Wisconsin game huge disappointment and we can talk about that until we're blue in the face I mean Brian Ferentz has got to figure something out that the the Wisconsin defense just dominates us and it has for you know, four or five years now. I mean, there's got to be some plays, whether it's, like I said last week, what Penn State does where they throw the ball out to their uh, wide receiver for a little wide receiver screens for three, four, five, six yards. It, there, there's got to be some plays that work against that defense. But, yeah, we're 7-2. and two. Um, We're in the running. Uh, we're playing relevant football games in November. Um, you know, I, I, our defense, I think, is still lights out. Um, you see what happens when we win the turnover battle, we win games. I mean, Kirk is always going to, you know, he, he, he goes with a lot of data and a lot of stats and things like that. What's our strength? Our strength is defense. We have a very good kicking game, both our field goal kicker and our, and our punter. And he's going to put the game in their hands. If we can get a lead, and I think that's going to be so key as we kind of switch over and start talking about Minnesota, it's so important because they like to play with a lead too. And whichever team – I think whichever team can get that two-score lead, whether it's 10-0 or, you know, 17-7, something like that, uh, that plays right into their hands, and that gives that, that gives that team a huge advantage. They don't have to take many risks, and, you know, they can, they can kick it deep, uh, play a field position game, and, and probably come out of there, you know, barring some kind of a turnover or something, with a win. And, and that's where we got to go. So. Let's hope, right? Yeah. So we still we can still have an absolutely great season, but man, every one of these games scares me. I mean, Minnesota. I thought Illinois was going to be a cupcake, right? And now Illinois scares the heck out of me. Uh, they frankly scare me more than than Nebraska does. And Nebraska's playing well. Obviously, we'll talk a lot about what they did this week here in a couple of weeks, firing coaches and all kinds of crazy stuff in the middle of the season. I don't understand that, but. Um, but, um, yeah, let, let, let's have Padilla go out, play a good game, a clean game. Don't have a bunch of penalties. Um, I'm a little concerned about our tackles. They're kind of our weak spot, right? Young has had some problems this year and Plum has had some problems. Now Richmond's out. Um, you know, you, you can't have those guys coming around, letting somebody loose coming around the edge and, and, and causing a turnover or letting your quarterback, you know, get clocked too many times. Um, but I, I like our chances. What do you, what do you think? Yeah. 
I, I agree completely. I, th- I think these last three games, Joe, all three of them are, are teams that Iowa can beat and should beat, and I don't even think it matters what these teams come in and do. I'm not, I'm not sure any of these teams could come in and even playing their best game uh, can beat an Iowa team that's playing well. And so th- this really is all about Iowa for me. It's, it's how, what, what team shows up in these last three games. If, if it's the good Iowa, if Padilla does look good, if this offense can, um, you know, do I guess get set up the way that they did the first six games? You know, some short fields, some good special teams play. If the defense can continue to do what they've done, and if if Padilla can make some throws and and Tyler Goodson can get going the way he did uh, Saturday night against Northwestern, I like Iowa's chance to to win not just Saturday but to win out. Uh, but if if the Iowa team that played against Purdue and Wisconsin shows up. As you said, the, the none of these games are gimmies. Uh, Minnesota's a good team. They're capable of being beaten by teams like Bowling Green, but they are a good team. Illinois is, is shocking the world right now, uh, winning at Penn State, winning at Minnesota, and they sandwich that with a, a loss to to a lowly Rutgers team. So you never know uh, what you're going to get with these these three teams coming in. This is all about Iowa. If Iowa can play its its game, uh, play the way it did in the in the first six weeks of the season, not even you know world beating level, but just play a solid game. I, I like Iowa's chances to win again, not just Saturday, uh, but to beat all three of these teams. Yeah, and then and then I think you know you, you look at Wisconsin's schedule and you got to almost think the same thing with them, right? They they should win out. But you hope somebody steps up. You hope you know, like somebody steps up and 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 beats them. You know, maybe Nebraska. I don't know. And then we could slide into, you know, the the championship game. And I certainly don't see anybody on the East that we can't beat. We've already beaten Penn State, uh, Michigan State. They're not that great. I mean, they're very good, but they're not that great. We can beat them. Michigan, same thing. Uh, Ohio State. I mean, come on. They're they're not they're not your typical Ohio State team. Okay, there's a lot of a lot of weaknesses there. Their quarterback is uh, he's inconsistent. Um, their defense is probably more porous than I've ever seen it be. So, you know, it's just it's one of those years. We need we need a little help now, and that's and that's the sad thing is is uh, you know we need just a little help. Somebody's got to step up and knock off Wisconsin, and and maybe we can slide in, and all of a sudden, you know, we're on our way to Indianapolis and. Who knows from there? Yeah, right? and and at that point, it's a, it's an unmitigated success. There's there's no point in even talking about you know is this season successful? You're exactly right. If if we if we're able to find a way to get to Indianapolis, that that is the goal, and it should be the goal. And I, I like your optimism there, Joe. Uh, thank you so much, man. Hopefully, a week from now, we are talking about a big win, a seventh straight against Minnesota, and Florida Rosedale staying put where he belongs. That's right, buddy. We want that pig. Keep the pig. That's right. Joe Schmelka, thank you so much, man, as always. Take care. Go Hawks. All right, go Hawks. He is Joe Schmelka from the Polk County iClub and also our leader here at HawkeyeNation.com. Thank you so much for listening. Check out all our coverage, uh, pregame, postgame, during the game, Friday night for the basketball game, Saturday for the football game. We've got it all covered. Women's basketball, wrestling, you name it. It's at HawkeyeNation.com. Thank you for listening, and go Hawks.